Hi, this is Karen Bell, and this is Coffee Talk. Hello, and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk for you. This week, we're joined by Karen Bell. An alum of Berkeley herself, Karen is the Associate Dean of the Professional Performance Division. She worked in Berkeley Alumni Affairs for 13 years before joining the Performance Division in 2018. She's also an accomplished vocalist, band leader, vocal coach, and artist advocate who's worked with Big Brothers Big Sisters, People's Institute for Survival and Beyond, and is a member of African American Women in Higher Education in New England. As always, a lot of this content will be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Karen Bell. I'm Kim Perlack. I'm the chair of the guitar department at Berklee College of Music, and welcome to another Coffee Talk. As usual, we're joined by Cheryl Bailey, our assistant chair of guitar. Hey, Cheryl. Actually drinking tea today. Oh, shocking. That's shocking. That's breaking news in the guitar department. <laughs> and this time we've got our coordinator, Ben Cody, with us. Hey, Ben. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. And our special guest today is our Associate Dean of the Performance Division, Karen Bell. Hey, Karen. Hi. So glad to be here with you guys. We're thrilled to have you. Um, so, Karen, are you drinking coffee today? I am drinking tea today, actually. Yeah, it's hibiscus blueberry with a little oat milk and a little dash of cinnamon. Oh, wow. Now, I used to be, or I think I still am, the coffee drinker that is a part of me is still in there, and iced coffee is my favorite. So as soon as it gets really warm outside, I'll be the first one at Dunkin' Donuts getting an iced coffee, probably with caffeine. Although, I don't know, like over the several year, I mean, over this past year, I switched from caffeine to decaf, and then from decaf to herbal, and I'm like, what? is happening what yeah. do you think is happening i don't know i think you know i think it is we were so still in the midst of the pandemic i wasn't moving around as much so my body probably said look sister all this caffeine you're consuming making your own iced coffee with some heap heaping full <laughs> heaping spoonfuls of uh and you're not moving that's a bad combination. So I do Zoom calls and go, okay, I really need to not maybe do the caffeine. So I think my body just say, look, we don't need the caffeine. You're you're good. Just do, do your Zoom and answer emails. and You don't need the caffeine. And my body said, nope, we're good. Don't send it down there anymore. I went, but, but really? And here, here I am. There you go. And you're also like a hot drink person in the winter and then a cold drink person in the summer. I am. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love, uh, yeah. It's just that the idea even of like, Oh, I'm going to wrap my hands around a warm mug or, and feel the steam you know, meeting me as I get closer for that first sip. It's just something about that whole thing. I just love it. I mean, I'm a social coffee drinker. I really am. I, it's not the caffeine for me. When I was growing up in South Carolina, my grandmama, we had the percolator. Yes. So, yes, right? And yep. so the coffee to me had a sound. It had a smell. And I would be so excited, like, oh, grandmama's making coffee. And I'd say, grandmama, can I, we called her Mama G. It was Mama G and Daddy G for, for, for grandmama and granddaddy. I said, Mama G, can I have some coffee? She go, no, baby, you're too young for coffee. I said, but everyone else is drinking coffee. She go, okay. And she'd put like the essence of coffee in my cup, you know, and a whole lot of milk and a whole lot of sugar. And so that's how I drank my coffee. It's like a hot, sweet dessert. I never grew out of that. So iced coffees, when I came to Boston, I was like, wait, 
iced coffee? What is that? And it was sweet. And I'm like, that's the ticket. Iced coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is really interesting because many times when people get really deep into describing their coffee history and what they love about it, there's kind of a connection to them with how they feel about music. And I find it really interesting that you talk all about all the sensory experience that you have and all of this community that you have, and also just the idea of listening to your body. And I think about you as a vocalist and I think about you as someone I thought of as a, as a wonderful ensemble performer. And I wonder if maybe there's, I don't know, even an unexplored connection there with the way you approach different things that you love? Yeah, you know, I think it, it probably is. Again, for me, the coffee, it really it really was a social. When I first got to Boston and I had no idea coffee was so important to people. I mean, the actual caffeine. I remember being in like an ear training class and halfway through, you know, the hour and 15 minutes, the whole class just kind of went, okay. And everyone got up and started walking around and moving and leaving. I was like, are we, are we dismissed early? What's, what's going on? I just kind of, okay, let me fall in step here and go where everybody else is going. And we all walked out the door. We all crossed Mass Ave and we all went to Dunkin' Donuts. And I went, oh, is this a thing that happens in this class every, like here we have a five minute break and we all, we all get coffee. I was like, really? Everybody? And other classes did it too. And I went, oh, coffee is important. At the music school in Boston, coffee is really important. Anytime I have a rehearsal or a study session or anything, hey, Karen, you ready to go? Yeah, let's go get coffee. Oh, oh, okay. Before we start rehearsing or, yeah, coffee. Yes, coffee. So I learned, but uh, it became that social thing for me though, just to hear you know, the people talking, relaxing, sipping their coffee, all the different accents at Berkeley, and depending on the music we were working on, it just became this thing of like, wow, coffee is a tool that people use to relax and unwind and tell stories. And for me, that's South Carolina. Anything we can stop, stand still, and swap a few stories and laugh, I'm all for this coffee thing then. If that's what if that's what happens, I'm all for it. I love that. That's really great. Cheryl, you're (laughs) loving that too. I could tell. Yeah, that's great. Um, Karen, you've had such a long and varied experience at Berkeley with a lot of different first days. And and many of the people who listen um, to Coffee Talk are experiencing their own version of a first day experience. And um, I'm wondering if you could sort of list for everybody what your first days were because I know I will miss at least one if I try to do that you were a student yes and you were worked for alumni affairs you ran that department well actually I was a student and then I was a staff person okay right after I graduated wow I came with me administrative skills because I worked when I was a teenager you know to make money and I came up here and Berkeley had, back then, its own little temp listings. So they would take note of students who had other skills that they could use in various office, you know, events or, so instead of going to a temp agency, they would reach out and go, hey, you know, and someone reached out to me and said, Karen, one of our um, administrative support folks in music education is going on maternity leave. Do you want to help out? I went, wait, what? Yes. <laughs> so I worked with um with uh uh oh my gosh, I'm not forgetting Sean Hagen's father, um Charles um, Hey Charles Hagen. Oh, it's gonna come back to me. But it was my first time of really being in the uh education department, music ed, because that wasn't my area. And it was great. I met all the people and, you know, the folks that were overseeing all the student teachings. And it was great. And then after that, someone said, well, Karen, she's not coming back. Do you want a full-time job? I went, full time, a paycheck to pay for my coffee. Yes. 
So I was gigging on the weekends, um, and then I had this full-time job at Berkeley, and then that rolled over to um, another full-time position in the, call, in the counseling center, oh, wow. and then that moved on to working for Lee Burke in his office. Oh, wow. It was amazing just learning all the folks and building new relationships and being a student, seeing the other side of the coin. Yeah. Whenever, you know, we always say, well, students don't get the full picture of what it means when they say, why can't we just buy a building and have 500 more ensembles? What's the big deal? <laughs> so to see the inner workings of like, oh, this is what happens when we try and figure out things and where's music education going, where's higher ed going and all the things that I take for granted as a student, I'm seeing it all and then seeing how it works. So that was amazing. Uh, then I left, and in 94, I think it was 94, did uh, other things. I wanted to start my own company for vocalists, especially, because vocalists, we were like the underdogs, you know, of all the instrumentalists and musicians. So I was, you know, really excited about creating a magazine, a nonprofit, and all of that. So I did a couple of work uh, years in other nonprofits to learn how they work. But then I came back to Berkeley in 2005. So that was another first coming back to Berkeley with Roger Brown and seeing how Berkeley was different, you know, after all those years. Mm-hmm. And that was when someone said, wait a minute, Karen's back? Karen, how about alumni affairs and being a director? We want you to apply. I went, that's a career. That's not a job. But I did that. That was great. And 13 years later, Ron Savage gave me a call and said, Karen, come meet me. I went, okay. And he said, I need you with me in this division. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, come help me out. I'm like, okay, you mean like on the side or something for all a project? No, no, no. I want you with me. I'm like, but I have a job. I just couldn't fathom. I'm like, wait, what are you, what are you saying to me? And here I am four years later, you know, an associate dean of this amazing division with my amazing folks. So Mm. quite a journey Karen there's so many things I just jotted down that we could talk about Um, but I wonder if you could just take a moment to tell students and faculty who might be listening like what are the parameters of what you do now and how you interact with the students and and with us in our division in your role as associate dean absolutely well I still have the wonderful um you know, opportunity to meet one-on-one with student with the advising. It's a great way to really learn about what's going on with all the students. And I advise all the students because of our core curriculum is under our, our area. So it can be any, you know, it's like, remember that game of like, who's behind door number one? So you just never know who's coming, you know, to meet with me, what's going on and what instrument they play or what uh, major they are and where they're from. And it's just amazing. So I, I love advising the students. Um, I support uh, Dean Savage, you know, in supporting the 10 departments and all of the wonderful chairs and assistant chairs. So the support can range from, of course, about the students. Um, We're the largest division. So we're doing things in a way that must work for us, but also trying to have consistency with other divisional departments. But a lot of times we are, you know, blazing the new trail because we are who we are and we do what we do and we're the size that we are. So I I told Dean Savage, I bring with me many relationships. So being able to, to connect with the performance division and then be that conduit between advising or international services or um, uh, institutional advancement or alumni affairs, any of the folks that I'm already very comfortable with. When I came here, they said, Karen, put us on the list. We want to come to one of your meetings in the performance division. And soon I had this whole list of people asking me, can we please come to your meeting and talk to the chairs? You're going to be our person to get us in. I was like, this is a coveted group here, huh? But I get it. You guys are so busy and so important to the success, the success of the students and of the institution that they're, they want time with you all. And it's, you guys are just so busy. So they're like, Karen, what do the chairs think? Or Karen, can you ask them? Or Karen, can we come talk? I get it now. I get it. So supporting the division and Dean Savage and you all 
to let other people know that we hear you. We are definitely your partners. It's just so crazy busy with all the things that each chair is doing. You won't be able to maybe have space with all of us, but you know, I'm your partner and I'm talking to my chair. So that can run the whole gamut of anything and everything under the sun because chairs, you all do anything and everything. So me being able to partner with you all and give you any kind of guidance or insight from other things happening around the campus um, regarding the curriculum, regarding the students, regarding advising, regarding, you know, anything, giving day, instrumental, I mean, anything. I'm on several different meetings and many conversations and we keep it moving and keep it flowing. I'm glad to be a part of that flow now. So it's really helpful. Having a seat at the table um, as some of the other leadership um, councils and um, groups has been very helpful also. Because same thing, there are things that are mentioned that Dean Savage knows about, but because I'm the feet on the ground with a lot of it, um, especially student advising, I have another perspective that he doesn't have, but together we're like, you know, here we are, we're representing and we can fill you in on that and make sure you're fully informed so that we can all move forward together with the same understanding. So it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. That's incredible because I think what you as associate dean share with our dean is a is a long perspective on Berkeley. Yes. And I was just jotting down all the different areas that you've worked in. And you made a comment that you were able to see some changes because you went away and worked in voice and for 10 years and then came back. And um, I'm wondering if you could share even just one or two lessons that come to mind for you about whether it comes from having a broad perspective of being in the education department, in the president's office, in the counseling center, in um, the alumni affairs, and then in the performance division, and being a vocalist, being a performer. Yes. What are some of the things that you think that, um, that you learned that someone who doesn't have that broad perspective like me or Cheryl or Ben um, would, wouldn't know to ask, like, what are some things that we should be thinking about that maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be thinking about? Yeah, well, that's a great question. <clears throat> and I think that the answer in some ways would be the same because of, you know, me knowing, especially again, I go to the chairs, you all think, um, because of your, the wide variety in your department, so all of your students, all of your staff, all of your faculty, all of the um, industry folks you bring in to help you do what you do, um, that perspective is the same throughout the entire institution. I think as artists, um, especially as artists, we approach things, in, in my opinion, learning about are making sure we're aware of who's in the room, who's on the space, you know, who's with us, and what the energy is, for lack of a better word. It's like playing in an ensemble. When you walk into a, a meeting, when you walk into a classroom, I remember being, you know, on the bandstand as a band leader, and I learned from the owner of the band at that time who said, Karen, you're calling great tunes, everyone's up and dancing. This is, oh, you're just doing such a great job. I want you to think about this. Who are the people who are not on the dance floor? And I went, oh, that's a good point. And the majority of the time it were the older folks in like a wedding band, a wedding situation, the parents, the grandparents. Like, oh, we haven't paid, played anything for them. I mean, they don't like Beyonce and they don't like, you know. So I would make a point to say, let's do a Patsy Klein or a jazz tune and just see these folks get up and do their thing. It was just a great moment. I think at Berkeley and what we do, we pay attention to that. So the whole classroom, the whole department, the whole division can be moving along, but we also make note of, wait, I don't think so-and-so is with us. I don't think they're getting it. So let's take a moment. Let's, let's do a check-in. Is everyone okay in this class with the new information we just um, shared regarding how the music works, how the, how the changes, um, how the melody works over the timing, any aspect of it. And when you take a moment, you'll see a person or a couple of people begin to relax a little more and go, oh, I'm so glad they checked in because I really did not understand that. And it happens in meetings. It happens in, in any group of people. 
And coming back to the institution when I did in 2005 with Roger Brown, it was, you know, really laying a different layer of the foundation for the institution because it was necessary. So when I first got here in 87, it worked well for that time and for what the industry was doing, for what the economy was doing. When I came back in 2005, different snapshot, different economy, different institution, different Boston, different technology supporting all, you know, underneath the foundation musical. I was so ticked off though when I had all these cassette tapes all these so proud of my cassette tapes. And then someone said, Karen, we're changing the CDs. I went, what the heck are those things? And what about all of my boxes and boxes of cassette tapes? You mean I can't play them anymore? Really? But technology will advance. And it's what we do here. We make sure we advance with it because our students need to know and be prepared of how to maneuver in this advancing, wonderful thing called the music industry and in the world. So yeah, the perspectives are di perspectives were different, but what was not different is that we know how to get the lay of the land and see what's going on and fit in because we're watching and learning who's talking, who's leading, and those who are sitting and maybe listening and following because the follower may lead in any any moment. So we're taking we're taking it all in. We're taking it all in. Karen, when you're in a meeting with some of our leaders who excel in making the college run but don't have a music background, mm -hmm. how do you help them get on the dance floor? Like how do you take some of the things that we may take for granted as important to students and bring them to the forefront in a way that welcomes everyone else in the room? Yes, great question. I remember I love just bringing things from different, different walks of life to try and have that aha moment. And as artists, you know, uh, I think, I think my job, <laughs> I think I was born to just be that connector between this person, that person, this group, and that group. And for 13 years, I had a huge, I got a master's in it because the alumni and the leadership at Berkeley thought we are on such opposite ends of everything. And I went, no, you're really not. But they would come in it with, well, you know, our alumni don't trust us. They don't like what we're doing. They don't believe in us anymore. I don't know how we and alumni, ah, they don't trust us. They don't believe us. They don't think we're successful. And I thought, all right, you guys are saying so many of the similar things, but using different language, different terminology, different timing of when you're stressing your point and what reaction you want from it is just, it's just unfortunate that you aren't seeing the connection. And so I would make a point to say, think of it as, think of it as, I'm that person that says, when you build something, and this is what we have in common, no matter what. So even in a meeting where someone may not have the musical um, background or experience, we can relate to the similar things. We all want success. We all want to do our best where we can feel we're doing our best and be at our higher selves doing our best work and bringing joy and community all those things are the same, but we do it in different ways. So when you stick to what are the common ground and those things are the same, then you break it up into different ways. You play an instrument, you like to, you know, pick up a paintbrush and paint. Uh, I'm a vocalist, you're a drummer. You like to, uh, you know, raise dogs and, you know, breed dogs. It's just different things that we all do, but we love. And the attention, the research, the discipline, the practice of it, making sure it goes where we want it to go, all the, it's the same thing, but just executed different ways in, in, on different instruments. So it's, there, there's a common ground there, always. I know it's true what you say about being a connector because you have an open door policy that becomes sometimes an open door issue. Um, so I started teaching on 
the fifth floor of 1140. Now I'm telling her where your office is. I shouldn't do that because now they're all going to go. And and so Associate Dean Bell's door is open and there's a little thing of candy in there. I'm just saying that's very good. And everyone, so Cheryl, if you want to find a guitar faculty member and you don't see them in their office, they are in Karen's office. That is where they are. And they tell her all their secrets. So anybody you want to know about, I'm, I'm telling the story, everyone who teaches on the fifth floor, we know that you tell Karen everything. And so do I. I don't know. There's something very welcoming. It's the colors you choose. It's something you come in and you just end up sitting down and having a candy and telling you the whole story. So I, I'm for sure that you know the perspective of the students and the faculty. And sometimes there's a line and people will just kind of stick their head in like, I've been waiting for a long time. And, you know, you'll have, oh, have to go, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry, you know. There's a little line all the time. I'm sure that you must have to take some calls from home sometimes because you can't possibly be in your office. Some, some, sometimes, but you know, I welcome that. Again, it's from the South. You know, I remember coming home from college in the South, I'd be on my porch and five cars would pass by and the middle car of an, in a row of five would just stop. And I'm looking up from my porch going, what's going on? There's, Two cars that were rolling along, third car stopped. The other two cars are like slamming on brakes going, what's going on? And the person leans out the window and goes, hey, Karen, you're home from college. And I'm like, hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, so how's college? And I went, there are two cars behind you. But the funny thing is the next car would go, wait, is that Karen Bell? Oh my gosh, Karen's home. So there's three cars just kind of hanging out, having a conversation in the middle of the street. It's completely fine. So when I came to Boston and people were like, Karen, you got to walk faster, talk faster, eat faster. You're so slow. When the light turns green, you got to hit, come on, put the gas pedal. So I was not that person. So when I came to Berkeley and it's a wonderful, just of the energy and the language and the, I was really so overwhelmed, but I had to just remember I'm from the South. So I processed this kind of slowly. So I'm just going to stand here and breathe and just watch and just soak it in. And, and when I got my job, you know, on the fifth floor, there was this energy on the fifth floor, man. It is, it is amazing. But I do, I do what I do. So my paint at my walls is butternut orange flavored kind of. I said, that's the sunshine in my office, no matter what. And I put green plants and this candy and I have music going and people will walk by and they kind of do the couple steps backwards and go, wait, what's going on in here? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, come on in. Like, oh, can, can I come in? Sure, come on in. Oh, oh okay. And I just, I love that. I miss that. In the midst of all of this, I, I miss that. Having anyone pop in and students going to class going, hey, Karen, hi, hey, Miss hey, Miss Bell, just wanted to say, hey, I'm going to class. Like, oh, great to see you. I know you have a great day. And Kim, the conversation that we'd have after you finish teaching, we just take a moment, have a conversation. I love it. Now I have a little window, a little window. And what's funny is that I'll see someone slowly little eyeballs you know and sign language like can i can i come can i just come, just one minute can, can i just come can i just come talk, come talk to you so, so you're zooming all day long in your office people are like but you're in there i see you you must be able to talk to me at least for a second in this little face in my little window i'm just like i'll call i'll email email <laughs> yeah oh. it becomes special <laughs> Oh, that's really great. Uh, before I turn it over to Cheryl, I have one question about something you said about the time you went away from Berkeley. You said that you wanted to work with vocalists because you felt that in some ways you all were the underdogs. Mm. And I would really love for you to talk a little bit about what that means to you, because I think so many people feel like an underdog at different times. So what, what were you thinking about at that time? Absolutely. Well, as we know, when we come to Berkeley, the women are, you know, definitely in fewer number. We're the minority. Paula Cole told the best story. She said she was in one of her classes and when she came in, she had a bagel with her and she started eating her bagel and she looked up and 
the room, the class full of guys, they were just staring at her as she ate a bagel. <laughs> and she just felt like, wow, I am the only female in this class, aren't I? But it felt like that. And then you're in an ensemble and, you know, bless their hearts, it's 1987. And there wasn't a whole lot of training or conversations or figuring out what does it mean to be diverse to support the, of course, the male musicians, but the females who are musicians. Our instrument is our voice, but we're musicians. So I had a couple of the ensemble departments back in the day who were like, all right, so let's look at the music that we're going to play today. And does everybody know the form and, you know, who's going to do the soloing and got the key and the verse and uh, vocalists. Um, can you turn your microphone on? You know how to turn it on? I'm like, yeah, I found this little button on the side. I think I figured that one out. But right away, it just became this thing of like, okay, let me impart some wisdom on who I am and what I need in this space in order to really learn and grow. And again, I became that person of, you know, everyone's happy and everything's great. I'm just kind of silent going, this is great. But if there's something that needs to be said, I'm okay with saying that thing because I know it's going to help everybody. So with every band I was in, you know, the whole wedding scene, GB bands, whatnot, you know, full of guys and then me as the female singer. And I said, all right, guys, here's how we're going to do this. I'm not sitting down on the tunes. I'm not singing because I'm a part of the band. I don't want to leave the stage. If you won't leave the stage, there's no reason for me to leave the stage. So I got these percussive toys and I was like, playing the egg shakers and the, you know, the cowbell. And my drummer said, Karen, if you don't put that cowbell down, <laughs> he's like, at least you're, you're playing on beat. Those, I, I don't have a problem. Just don't give it to the guests. Because you hear this, you know, intoxicated guest slam on the cowbell in the middle of a song. You're like, Karen, get the cowbell from that. Or like, I got it. I'm on it. I got it. But I, I came across that like, wow, we're not respected. We aren't brought in on tunes that I'm singing. They changed the key and the form and didn't tell me. Like, what are you, what are you guys doing? And other singers said, yeah, it's just what happened. I said, no, but it doesn't have to be. It's just what happens. And I heard so much of that, you know, not just at Berkeley, but out, you know, in the world on various stages, the, the singers, the female singers were like, yeah, it's just kind of how it is. And I said, no, 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 that can't be the way. So I worked at Center for Women in Enterprise and also Big Brother, Big Sister to really learn the inner workings of nonprofits. And I said, I want to come back to Berkeley and check with the, uh, the chair of the voice department and use the singers as my focus group to really say, will these things that I'm thinking about, will they be helpful for you? And I was coming to do that. And then they said, wait, you're back? Okay, director of alumni fair. I'm like, no, I have, I'm here for another reason. <laughs> but yeah, seeing the, you know, uh, being the only female, being the only, uh, you know, person of color, being the only black person in, in the rooms at Berkeley, it, it was, and on the stages and in the hotels and the event spaces, it was very, very clear in doing upscale weddings and not seeing anyone else that's of color, except for maybe one or two wait staff. So all of that spoke to me and said, wait a minute, we all have voices, but for some reason as a woman, we think our voices can't be heard, that, that we can't turn up the volume on our voice, on our voices. And I went, no, 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 that can't be the way. And even one of my band folks I worked for in the very beginning said, okay, Karen, it's the second set. It's after the dinner. We got to, you know, we're going to turn it up. Okay, take your jacket off. And I went, excuse me, excuse you. Do you know how cold it is in these rooms? They keep it really cold. I'm not taking my jacket off. Like, but, you know, we got to show the dresses that look great. They all match. And, and I'm like, yeah, they're sleeveless. No, no, that's not going to happen. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm not going to get my coat and put that on over the little dress because it's really cold in here. But, uh, yeah, so all of that just made me realize, like, wow, there's some, there's some, uh, different streams of thinking that needs to happen and it needs to be, you know, really just uh, amplified in a huge way because, and there are people that really want to hear it. 
and really listen go, Karen, I was wondering, how do I say this? Or how do I approach the female? And my, I, I got, thank you for giving me permission or for talking to me about it. And the students, females going, Miss Karen, I want to ask, can I change that key? That key is not right for me. But they said, no, 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 it's the key that we're going to play in then. So that's what you're going to sing it in. So I saw that it was welcoming. And when I came back in 2005, there were more, many more conversations, many more open doors for those conversations already happening and in place. So again, it grew with the times, you know, 2005 was definitely different from 1990 when I graduated from Berkeley. So it was great to see that there was a welcome, you know, it was a welcoming for those conversations. And of course now, break down all the walls, all the barriers, you know, there is no ceiling to how far our conversation and our work together can go, you know, around, around this topic. So it's just another, it's, it's a great time. And uh, for us, it's a great group, you know, again, to be, um, to be working on this together. Karen, I feel like you were with Cheryl and I this morning in our conversation that we were having on this topic. We were thinking about the same idea, this approach of, of approaching equity by empowering people. Mm. We had a young woman recently who had happened to come to me and another faculty member said, I want to be involved in this initiative you have, this project that's a playing project um, that involves having a paid gig. You know, like you work on it in the school and then you go to a professional opportunity. But she said, I feel very tentative when I'm, especially if I'm the only woman in the room, if I'm the only woman on the stage my playing changes, can you help me? And the faculty member said, yeah, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna give you something to work on every day so that you feel centered in yourself. And then when we're with the group, happened to be, she happened to be in a class with both of us, we're gonna talk about like, how do you work with challenging situations in a professional situation? Mm -hmm. And so she went to the gig that we thought would just be an easy, positive, you know, good stepping stone. And there was a, an older male musician there who was a big bully and she came back to the school after the gig was over and she said you know i think something was off i think something was strange and i keep asking myself did that really happen but then in the moment i thought oh wait i know what to do and she had a really empowering experience because she was able to to as you did sort of take control of the situation in a very in her way in a kind way that was non-threatening and then just have a positive gig experience and we've been talking about how to work on that with people you know like and then maybe over time as you're saying the culture itself starts to shift yes. but how do you empower people in the meantime is what we've been talking about and it sounds like you have put so much thought and actual practical work into something that we're hoping to initiate in our area. Absolutely. I mean, a couple of key things that I, that were takeaways that I, that really resonated with, with folks is when you let the bully, so to speak, whoever the bully is, it could be an older musician and I'm not judging anybody. No, People grew up and learned and, you know, based on what age, what area, what was shown to them, what was modeled to them. So I'm not judging anybody, but I want that person to be, in a vulnerable space to have a moment to realize what that feels like. And the most vulnerable for any musician is to take them off their instrument, put them on another instrument that's not their principal instrument. So in many of the bands that I would come, I would come to different bands because band owners said, Karen, you know, you're a pretty, you know, you're a great band leader and you're, there's so much, you know, your bands gel. I said, yeah, we have fun. We don't have time for any kind of, you know, foolishness. We have fun. So, I said, yeah, I go to these other bands, you know, the band owner, and I said, all right, let me chat with you guys. You're a brand new band just starting. Here's a brand new singer coming in, and you know, let's just really get familiar with one another. And I said, all right, what instrument? Everybody get on the instrument. It's like, great. Play one song. Great, great. Second song. Okay, everybody stop. Everybody take a step to the left and pick up that instrument. And they go, wait, what? And everyone take a step to the left. I said, great. So who's in the front now? Oh, look, drummer, you're in the front. You're on the mic. You're leading the band. You're calling the, the tunes, you're introducing, you're emceeing, you're reading the crowd, you know, at the wedding gig, and you're calling what tune that has to be played next because we're coming back from dinner, everyone's sitting down. How do you get them up? And, and the drummer looked at me and went, you want me to do what? <laughs> so having that moment of you're a group 
everyone has to respect each other and you have to respect that their role. So you can't be the drummer and go, she's calling the wrong tune. Now you're here. What tune would you call? He's like, I can't remember what tunes we play. I, I've forgotten it all. I'm so nervous. I said, exactly. So you have to work together and trust each other. And that really, really resonated, really resonated. Yeah. If you can allow them to be vulnerable, just give them a moment of like, wow, this is how I, I, I made you feel. Wow. I didn't realize that, you know, I'm so sorry about that. And it also empowers the person who is feeling the most vulnerable to say, wow, they have empathy for me. I just didn't know how to bring that out of them because I thought, because they're judging going on that way too. I thought they're horrible and mean and, oh, but they just didn't realize, okay, communication is key. So yeah, that, that's one of the, my, my favorite things to do and the looks, <laughs> looks on faces like, wait, you want me to pick up a what and do what with it? <laughs> <laughs> Karen, do you have any quick advice for um, a young person who might find themselves in a situation in which they're not in a leadership position? but they're in a challenge um, with someone who is on a power trip or whatever is going on or has a, who maybe is unaware that they're, they're picking a power play. What would you say to someone who's on the receiving end who's, who's maybe not in a power position? Yeah, I'll remind them that, you know, your voice is important. One of my things I, I say to myself, I just remind myself, you know, live your values. Like live your values. One thing to read about them, to write them down. But if you're really living your values, that means I believe in myself. I respect myself. I respect all others. I think there's room in this world and this space for everyone to be heard. And we all need to take a moment to listen because we will learn from others in this space if we really listen, actively listen. And if we also take the responsibility to share because not only do you have responsibility to listen, but you have responsibility to share in a space in order to move everybody forward. So to that person who may be shy and quiet and introverted, as I am, I'm naturally an introvert. I can flip the switch and be on and have a great time. But, and it's okay to bring all of who you are to that moment because taking someone by the side and just saying, hey, you had a moment, just wanted to you know, talk to you just, just for a few moments that introvert can still shine and be in the spotlight. There's not an audience and to have a true conversation and just say, you know, I just wanted to let you know that when you said so-and-so and so, or when you did so-and-so and so, it made me feel like this. I don't know if you were aware of that. So I wanted to let you know that. And then see where it goes right away. Someone would say, oh, I never realized. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that. If it escalates or if it goes to a point of like, you know, I really don't want to hear what you're saying, maybe then you may need to bring someone else in who is connected to the other person so that it doesn't feel like I brought my person with me, I'm, we're ganging up on you, but to say I really need to have a person here with us that we both know so I, I can have a conversation with you. And sometimes that also helps as well. But it's really important. It's hard to move forward if you have this block because you're protecting yourself from someone or from something, you can't be who you are and you can allow that person to be who they are. And you never get to the real of either one of you or what that situation could be because it's this brick wall that you've built, that you built in the moment to, for survival, for survival in that moment. But if you can take the time to break down that wall, it's so much, it's just healthier, you can bring your whole self to any situation. And that's what we want to do. Bring our whole selves to any situation so we can really fully embrace that situation, really have a good time. So whatever needs to happen to bring that wall down in a constructive way that supports you and the other person, it's worth doing. Whatever tools you'll need, another person, you know, writings. I've, some people I know have written things down. So I'm going to give you this note, letter. I'm going to sit here while you read it. I don't want you to read it somewhere else and misinterpret it. I'm going to sit here while you read it because I can't say it in a way I want to because I'm so nervous. But I'm going to sit here while you read it and then let, you know, let's talk about it afterwards. 
I'm so glad you talked about this. I think it's so important for people to think about that, that idea of bringing yourself and yeah. what you need to do that and that, that you have that right and that responsibility to do that. Oh yeah, as artists and musicians, wow. If we left a part of us at home for our gigs or even as we're practicing learning something, it's like, okay, I'm gonna unscrew my left arm and leave it, you know, <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't work. We need our whole selves in order to really do what we're supposed to do. You know, if I wasn't have, if I didn't have an unofficial Karen Bell fan club before today, before the show, it's oh. official. Oh. I'm heading up the Karen Bell fan club. <laughs> you shared so much stuff. I mean, I, I wish I'd been jotting some things down just from your experience as um, a person of color and a woman musician. You've been in, you know, we were at Berkeley around the same time. It was a very different place if you were the only person in the room, for sure. And and this also makes me so happy, especially you're in your new role, because you bring that sensibility of a deep musician and but also the way you are as a person just even talking about you know growing up with drinking coffee and it was about the hang the gathering and and i guess what you're talking about now too there's so many things i was trying to go back and think about things i wanted to to say i'm really i'm really glad you are elevated to this position because you have you bring all of that compassion and true musicianship and knowledge in your leadership role. And what you're saying there is so powerful because so many students, well, not just students, but I just think all of us as artists as well, we have situations that come up that are not about music, that get in the way of our music. So I think it's really great for you in your role, you can see these things and you can be such a great guide to folks to say sometimes we need to work on these things be because being being an artist and getting deep into music is about a journey of the heart and connecting mm -hmm. you know and that is what connects us all right of all races and genders and and you know expressions that's the truth but sometimes we have these things whether it's dealing with someone who's a bully or or our own insecurities to be able to get that to that place. So those are all really, I think that would, that last thing you were talking about is very powerful um, technique for someone who might be introverted or shy to write it down and bring it to the person and start that conversation. Because I think that can be the hardest thing sometimes is to start that conversation. You're scared, what's gonna happen? But when you do that, and I, I believe that too, a lot of times things become, I call them paper tigers. You know, you sort of, you see through the more, the situation shifts or melts and it comes through that, that connection and communication. So I, I'm really, the Karen Bell fan club, it's official now. We're going to get t-shirts. We're going to have field trips. <laughs> we're we'll sure. get <laughs> For sure. I can say the same for you because uh, when I first met you, you were a name with an email um, teaching harmonic considerations. And there was a very interesting and special young man <laughs> in your class giving you a hard time. And when I finally met you, first of all, I went, well, oh my gosh, we don't have very many women teaching that class first, first of all, when I read and learned about it. And this class is a no joke. I mean, all of our classes are no joke. But I'm like, wait a minute, this class is no joke. And this woman, this female, she's not taking any excuses from this young man who's like trying to like find a way through the cracks to kind of get over on some stuff. Like, I can't wait to meet this person. And then you walked in, I went, ah, it's the Cheryl Bailey. There we go. And I knew we were going to be fast and furious friends from that point going forward because you're like Karen, Karen I'm not having it I'm not having it with this dude I'm not I'm like yes yeah exactly we are not having it I'm like I got a partner in Cheryl so Cheryl thank you thank you so much for all that you shared <laughs> um so Ben you are a recent alum and um 
and also now our coordinator and and I think you share a perspective with Karen on our students um, on a day-to-day basis and I'm wondering what's on your mind um, and it could be a range of things it could be connected to that or anything else you're thinking about well uh, I mean I definitely relate to as kind of a similar uh, you know kind of way getting into Berkeley as a staff member because it was right after I graduated, I think it was like a couple months after I graduated, you know, Kim hired me to teach the summer programs. And then um, when I came back the following year to teach summer programs again, that's when uh, I started working as a temp because I needed a, a temp position for the coordinator at the time. And then I was able to to apply to get the job, you know, permanently. So it was, it was kind of, you know, funny <laughs> from that perspective. But, but yeah, it's definitely, um, you, ha- you have a different uh, different view, I think, like you said, as a student, and then kind of seeing the behind the scenes of how how things go, and, and um, but I think that is crucial for helping uh, you know the students, you know, because when, when students come to you for help, it's like all of a sudden, like it's, it's almost like they trust you, not that they don't trust you know the, the administration, but it's like they almost they have like a different kind of trust with you because like all right, you're 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 one of us, <laughs> you know, it's like you you've, you've been through it, you know, and so so it's definitely. Um, uh, I, I think it's really kind of crucial part of, of, you know, academic advising to be able to have that experience and it really uh, benefits both, you know, the, the staff member, but also, you know, benefits the, the students as well that, that you're helping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that what's interesting, I mean, I remember I was there when we hired Ben, you know, um, Ben was a, a work study student yeah. and, um, and so it was balancing, you know, performing and going to class and being a work-study student. But we were just, we knew that, Ben, we knew you had taught some lessons and we knew you were playing just from being in the office. And when we needed teachers, though, it was the way that you were with the faculty and the, and the students who came into the office, where it was like that had been your interview without you really realizing, like before there was even a job, you know? And then they said, oh, wow, you're going to give a lot more rock students this summer the last minute and we're like oh like ben you know we can hire ben right he graduated like it was perfect timing and then the next year when um our wonderful coordinator julia had to take some time away it was an emergency and because of the way you had taught in the classroom we thought you know ben knows this place you know what i mean he knows this place he could really you know, help the students figure stuff out and then, and then have this like sort of platform and then, and then you can have your band and have your musical life. And so I think that sometimes students don't realize um, that the way you are is also helping people make professional decisions, you know, um, that, that everyone at Berkeley, that that's what a professional work network really is it's relationships it's not like a clinical kind of thing that you strategize it's it's the way you are and and um it comes up so often and i don't think people really even hear it when you say it um and i i know you both ben and and karen you've both experienced that in your life like the unexpected opportunity it turns out that someone's actually kind of known of you for a very long time and maybe a way you didn't expect yes yes um I think it's a part of being, you know, I mean, there's luck in that. Absolutely luck. Um, But there's preparation. And I do tell a lot of my students, um, you know, when they first get to Berkeley that everyone's watching you. And I'm not saying that we aren't stalkers. (laughs) It can sound kind of creepy, right? (laughs) But I painted, I introduced it to them in a a, a better way than that. (laughs) I say, think about it. There's 4,500 students here. There are how many performance venues at our institution, right? There are things going on all the time. There are leaders who are building these shows and populating these performance spaces with amazing things, with amazing special guests. And, but no longer do we even have the time to do full auditions. Anyone interested in paying, you know, playing next semester for this amazing opportunity? We have this guest coming. We're going to put a band around this person. You know, sign up for the audition. That's so few and far between. So how is it that we find the musicians to 
populate that stage for those wonderful things. It's who the teachers, the faculty, the staff, and the chairs, who they've seen on a day-to-day -day basis show up and do what they need them to do as a musician, as a wonderful human being, as someone who cares and is considerate, can bring it on their instrument, can contribute to any musical group, who's polite, respectful, all those things. And what better way to know who brings that than to see them in the way they handle themselves every single day in your class. And that's how folks get asked or invited to do certain things because they've seen these, this person, these students be themselves. And it's a joy to see this person be themselves on their instrument, in the environment, with other musicians, giving, contributing, listening, leading, doing what it takes. So I tell the students, be mindful that folks are already just keep an eye out for those folks who just seem, oh, you're ready to maybe have a new challenge. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to have this challenge because I think you really are ready for it. And that's a great thing, but just, you know, show up. I tell my students, show up from day one. Even if you aren't sure, show up. It makes a difference. When you don't show up, you miss something so valuable. Show up, be honest, but show up and listen and learn. And it's incredible. Don't shy away from anything. It's okay if you say, you know what, I don't know what that is. Or no, I don't think I'm ready for it. That's real. But still be in the space and learn. It's okay to say, I'm not ready for that, but I'm ready to learn about that. Yes, there's no doubt. Everyone who's listening should go back and listen to that many times over. I really think that's true. I really think that's true because all of the faculty, we have all been in that position where we were afraid to show up and we were glad that we did because you just don't know that by showing up, what comes, you know? Yes. Oh yeah, it's like, I didn't do my homework. Ooh, no, I'm not gonna go to class. No, but guess what? You're gonna miss the review of the homework that you didn't do, yes, but you're also gonna miss the next thing that's built upon that work that was done. So now you're missing two important segments of this musical journey because you didn't show up. So show up, admit, I didn't do my homework, but be in the class and learn what comes next and then do what you gotta do to catch up on that to keep it going because if not you're going to be lost in some incredible musical vocabulary and you won't be able to build the sentence that you need to build to express yourself and that's such an unfortunate thing that's right you know on, on that tip as a teacher sometimes the best classes or lessons or when this, a student comes in and wasn't prepared and then they have a question and then as a teacher it unlocks something maybe an avenue you didn't explore to get them to understand it. And I have to say, it's sort of like, you know, when you're cooking, when you just you just cook from your pantry, sometimes those are the most amazing meals. You couldn't have planned it. <laughs> you could have ordered takeout, but you just went for that thing. And I, I found that as a, as a teacher. So that is great advice. Always show up because you don't know. It's, everything's always evolving all the time. It has to be about the moment. And that moment could be that doorway into something, a really big aha moment. So I think that's great advice. And as musicians, okay, you're playing a tune that you all know, but for some reason, one of the band members just reharmonize the bridge for the first time because it's what they felt and you're looking at that person going that's not what we rehearsed what are you going to do leave the stage no that's just not an option but you use all of your skills and again that's what berkeley or that's what we do in higher ed but especially at berkeley we may not be able to show you exactly step one two three four and five of every situation that you may come across along your career and your journey that you know exactly what to do and exactly how to handle it but we're going to give you all the tools that you need to figure it out and isn't that empowering i mean there's nothing that will that will stomp you or nothing that will confuse you to the point where you don't know how to figure it out that means you can get yourself through any situation that is so valuable it's like having your own little you know, 
first aid emergency kit that you have with you at all times, you know what to look for. Okay, what key are they playing this in? Okay, they didn't modulate. That's a good thing. But wait, listen, what sounds familiar? Go to the root. You know what that is. Okay, now this, now go expand from the root a little bit to kind of test it out. Oh, I see the chord they're playing. Oh, I got you. And if you hit a wrong note, you're half a step away from the right note. So you can figure it out. But don't shy away. Like, I'm putting my instrument down, man. We never, never, never rehearsed that stuff before. No, no, no. Get, in, get into the conversation and trust that you have the skills, the vocabulary, the timing, the just trust it. Just trust it. I think students are sometimes so hesitant to just spread their wings and go, I don't know. I'm not prepared, but I'm going to try this thing. Try that thing and look. It is amazing to see, and we can see it sometimes. We can see if they just cast away the net and just go, just go for it. We know that they're not going to fall and fail, but they don't know it yet. And when we see it in them, we're like, that was one of the best moments. That's one of the best moments seeing that happen for a student. Karen, it really feels like you have been able to find a creative outlet in every different position you've had in the, from the core of who you are as a musician. And I'm wondering if you have some advice for, for people who are just worried that their lives may not go in the directions they've planned. And we know the answer is, of course it won't, right? <laughs> uh, how did you do that? How did you find yourself in every different professional expression that you've had? I, uh, that's such an interesting question because I didn't really plan for any of it. I mean, when I say I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Now I prepared, I mean, I was a hard worker with school, avid reader. I was like coming from the library with like a stack of books under my chin, like mom, look what I'm reading for the summer. So I worked hard at everything. Absolutely I did, but I had no idea I was gonna leave South Carolina and come to Boston and come to Berkeley. It was, a, I had no plan for that. I was studying classically. I was a lyric soprano at an all-girls college in Columbia, South Carolina, thinking I'm going to just teach or be another Leontine Price, which is what they told me the only two options I could do. When I finally asked about other genres of music like jazz, I was told, I think I have a Billie Holiday book in the back of my closet. And I went, Okay, that's a problem. That's a problem. Someone told me about Berkeley, sent the catalog, and I went, oh, I'm going here. Went to Berkeley, and it just kind of developed. Kim, as you said, people watch you, so I began to be, oh, if you see, have you met that girl, Karen, from South Carolina? She's the alto that you want. And any of your background vocalists, I became the, the alto between you know, whatever soprano, whatever tenor, and they're like, oh, you got a studio session or a recital or a, and then that led to Karen come audition for our wedding band and Karen come, you know, what about, what about, what about? But the preparation was real. You still need to prepare always, always, always. But a lot of it has to be trust. A lot of it has to be building along the way. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew the people I wanted to be around. I knew the environments I wanted to be a part of. I know I would know the, uh, the path that I wanted. I knew what it felt like. I didn't know how to name it. I didn't know how to say, I want to be an associate dean of the professional performance division and work with some of the most incredible departments and chairs and leaders. I didn't say that, but I knew that I'm a, a giver. I knew I wanted to help. I know I wanted to share my experiences so others could benefit from it. Um, Berkeley and all the amazing people. So I knew I was in the right space with the right people. I, it gave me the right feeling at every step of the way. And I trusted that. I still worked hard. And these opportunities would just come. Karen, someone told me about you. Or someone told me that you do this or you have the interest of doing that. Or I wonder if you have interest in doing that. And I say, I don't, but I have five other people that I know. And it led me to have my own company. I did a lot of referrals under my own company. It's called the Bella Fair for that exact reason. I don't do this, but I have a world literally full of alumni. And I know that there's 
so many people in that space and that genre and that country and that that can do that for you. So I've been able to share opportunities that have come to me with others. And it's just been amazing. It's a network that I think we all can appreciate as artists and musicians. We all have these networks and the music is such a core part of it. And the networks around what we do as artists and musicians and as teachers and leaders, it is amazing. And it provides and allows us to do so many amazing things with so many amazing people. And we plan some things and then some other great things that are big joy contributors, right, Kim? And they just kind of pop up along the way and we're like, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm ready for that. I want that. I need that. I'm glad that happened to me and I'm taking that on and, and, and running with it. Yeah. Karen, thank you for being a joy contributor. <laughs> to <laughs> that was a term that, that uh, we coined years ago. <laughs> People came into our offices. Um, thank you so much. Um, Cheryl, as we're wrapping up this pot of coffee, what, what is on your mind? Do you have a final thought? Well, thank you for being on the show. And I'm going to go back and listen to a lot because I said, there, yeah, there were so many things I wanted to pull out to, to discuss with you. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to listen back and then we can, when we have the Karen Bell fan club meeting, official meetings, yep. we can discuss it then. <laughs> this right. was so much fun. Oh, I, <laughs> I was so excited when I saw your email. I'm like, wait, they're inviting me to be on coffee. Talk. No way. That was, that was so cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Ben, ben what about you? What do you got on your mind? This was great. This is really, you know, like I said, there's there a lot of uh, similarities that I, I kind of felt, you know, from, from, you know, being a student and then a staff member. So it was really great that uh, just to, that, to share that and uh, just to be able to, to do this. So thank you. Mm. Thank you all. This was great. Yes. Well, thank you, Associate Dean Karen Bell. Um, we are all in your fan club, um, and we but we will respect your your window when you're in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> True <laughs> members of the fan club will not stick their hands and eyes in Karen's eyes when she's in a meeting. Um, <laughs> I'm going I'm going to record. I'm gonna record whatever shows up in the window and put it to music because it's really, <laughs> it is it is really interesting the approach of how they get into into the window and what <laughs> like that's really a little scary but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're a, an excellent associate dean. You can see the good in everything. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much um, for oh, all you're doing and leading our division. And uh, thank you for sharing a coffee with us today. It's a pleasure. And please keep this going. This is such a great thing that you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh, we absolutely will. So thank you, Ben Cody and Cheryl Bailey and Karen Bell. And uh, we'll see the rest of you and be with you on the next Coffee Talk. <laughs>